Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Keandra Scott, who is a chief resident at the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston, South Carolina. Keandra is originally from Charleston. She completed college at Clemson University and medical school at MUSC. Her academic interests include breast reconstruction and gender-affirming surgery. Keandra, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so very much. So I'd love to start by hearing kind of a big-picture overview of your program at MUSC. MUSC is in Charleston, South Carolina, which is located near the coast of South Carolina. It's in a historic town, if you don't know about Charleston, South Carolina, I should Google it. It's a place that people love to visit. The medical university's been around since 1865, I believe. So it's one of the oldest medical colleges in the country. So we have two tracks. We have the independent program, which has been around since 1967. And then our integrated residency, which started with my year, that started in 2016. So it's a fairly new program, but I love that because our program director and our chair are very welcome to any changes or any issues that we have. Overall, my favorite thing about the program is our camaraderie. Everyone's pretty close. Everyone hangs out. It's just a great program. I would not want to be anywhere else during training. Perfect. Well, that was an awesome overview to start, and now we'll dive into some of the specifics. So can you walk me through the plastics experience that you get in the first three years? So in the first three years, so your intern year, you get anywhere from three to four months of plastic surgery, one of those months being at the VA. And then a second year, you get about five to six months, depending on how many months of ENT and oral surgery are available, and then some general surgery. And then third year, 10 months of plastic surgery combined with burn for one month, and I believe surgical oncology for the other month. And then years four through six, all plastics. And what's the experience like when you're on some of those non-plastic services? It's great. So obviously I was the first one to go through And I was a little nervous about that, but they were very welcoming, especially our ENT and oral surgery residents. They were extremely excited to have someone else come in. I operated just like their residents. They let me do a lot during the cases. And I've heard that's been the case with some of my more junior residents. So we have a great relationship with ENT, general surgery, oral surgery, pretty much all the services that we rotate with. So you mentioned that you, I guess, have a main university hospital and a VA. Are there any other sites that you rotate through? Yes. So we have our main campus, the Medical University campus, which we cover three hospitals there. And then we have the VA, which is on site. So you don't have to drive to the VA hospital. We do have about four other offsite clinics where you will need to drive. So you will need a car if you attend our program. And then we have, oh my gosh, like six or seven private practices that we visit. Only two of them are affiliated with MUSC or have privileges there and our faculty, but all the other guys there will let us come shadow, operate. So 
basically have a car <laughs> if you come to our program. So yeah, we pr- pretty much travel all over Charleston. And can you tell me about the relationship between the integrated and independent residents? So you're paired with the independent resident your fourth year. So your fourth, fifth, and sixth year, you're paired with them. So first, second, and third year fellow. Our program is set up in an apprenticeship model. So you are paired with an attending for two months at a time. So you and that fellow will go along each year and do that. I appreciate the fellows because they have a general surgery background. A lot of them are board uh, certified. So they can provide some insight on general surgery things and management of patients. But we have more experience in hand and face, for instance, which general surgery has limited exposure to that. So it's kind of a win-win situation. I, I think they benefit a lot from us and we benefit from them. Speaking of hand and face, can you tell me how call works? So call your first, second, and third year, you're paired with a chief, which would be an independent fellow or an integrated resident. Our call we share with orthopedics for hand every other week. And then our face call is every third month that we share with ENT and oral surgery, which is the entire month. Typically in your fourth year of residency, you'll take seven to eight calls with one weekend included in that. And then it decreases as you go along. Your chief year, so my year, I don't do any weekends and maybe one to two days of call a month. It's kind of front-loaded. It's a little weird. So your first and second and third years, you take call, but you're a junior. And then fourth year, it's like, whoa, I'm taking all this primary hand call. And then it decreases. So it's kind of a like a bell shape. You mentioned there are three like university hospitals. So is one of those pediatric? Yep. So we have a brand new hospital, the Sean Jenkins Children's Hospital that we just built last year. And then the main hospital, Ashley River Tower, which is our heart and vascular center, but we do a lot of our primary cases there, breast reconstruction cases there as well. And then Rutledge Tower, which is our ambulatory surgery center. And what's the mid-level support like across those hospitals? So we have two PAs. They don't really do any inpatient Work. They will take daytime calls and things like that if patients need prescriptions, but they're mostly based in our clinics, which is where we need a lot of help since we're kind of stretched then there. Are there any opportunities for electives in the later years? Yes. So this year, actually, we are incorporating an elective into the senior, the chief rotation. So I'll be doing an elective in cosmetics during one of my months at one of the private practices that you're already affiliated with? Yes. Well, I'll travel to multiple, so it won't just be like one doctor that I'm working with. And that's brand new this year. But incorporated into your chief year, you are scheduled for some of the more complex cosmetic cases, regardless of what rotation you're on. Since we're talking about cosmetics already, can you kind of walk me through like across the years when you first start to get some cosmetic experience and do you have specific like blocks of time where you're on cosmetics? So your first, second, and third years, you don't have specific 
blocks. Really, it's only when you're off service are you with ENT or oral surgery. But when you're on plastic surgery, you are the consult resident second and third year, primarily second year. And we try to schedule our third years to go out into the community since we do have so many people that are willing to let us kind of come and operate with them. Plus, we already have so many people on service. So it's a really nice opportunity third year to go out and get exposed to cosmetic procedures. So I would say it's starting third year. So in the third year, are you more so going just kind of like intermittently for cosmetic cases? Yeah, it's intermittent. You do some cases with us as well. But I try not to schedule the third year so that they're double scrubbed. I want you to get some independent exposure and autonomy your third year. So we schedule them to go offsite. And then do you have anything like a senior cosmetic clinic? We do not yet. I've been trying to get that set up, but the politics behind that is a little weird. So hopefully, I don't know, some of my more junior residents will be a little bit more successful in doing that in later years. Do you have like cosmetic blocks in four, five, six? Yes, we do. Four, five, six, two months each year, you get a cosmetic block. So Dr. Young, he's our primary aesthetics guy that we rotate with for two months. And then during that time, if he has clinic or if he's out of town, I schedule people to go other places. So I think that's one of the more unique things about our program is that we get a ton of aesthetic exposure and we're not just retracting or watching. We're actually doing our side of the breast augmentation or our side of the blepharoplasty. So it's a really nice experience. Do you think the program would be open to if someone wanted to go spend time like at another institution? Yes. I think now while we're just starting it, we'll probably have you stay in Charleston. But Dr. Tawana, which I know we'll talk about later, he's absolutely wonderful and is super understanding and he wants us to tailor our training to what we want to do when we're done. So yes, definitely. Are there any opportunities for like global, either short-term mission trips or like longer-term global plastic surgery experiences? So I haven't experienced that. I've asked about it, but you would have to use your vacation time at this moment in time since our program's new we haven't really set that up yet. Do any of the attendings like regularly go on trips that they might bring residents on in the future? Dr. Ohm did. He was our cranial facial plastic surgeon. However, he just transitioned into private practice. So that's why that area is a little gray. But we did just hire a new cranial facial surgeon, Dr. Skomaso. She's from Cleveland Clinic. And she's definitely interested in starting a global rotation. And what experience do you get with gender affirmation surgery? So mostly in the private, our private guys will do top surgeries. No one here, no one in the state does any bottom surgeries. But I just presented a paper at SESPRS, which is our Southeastern Society, on a miscope analysis of gender affirming surgery. And then some of our urology Residents are also interested in transgender health and research. So I think it's coming. MUSC just hired someone to be the director of transgender health, which is a very new position. So I think in a few years, we may pick up gender-affirming surgeries. 
And do you work with any fellows? No, we don't have any uh, fellows. And how would you say your program manages resident autonomy in the OR? It's attending dependent. I would say four out of five of our attendings let us be super autonomous. As a chief, I take the junior residents or interns through cases a lot of the times if they're bread and butter cases. I think I'm pretty autonomous in the OR by now. I would say my third year is when I started to do breast reductions on my own. So you get autonomy pretty early on. To illustrate, could you walk me through like what each PGY would be helping out with in something like a deep? Our deeps are scheduled with two attendings. So one attending will be harvesting the flap and the other will be preparing chest vessels. An upper level will be with each of those attendings. And then a junior resident, a second or third year, will help close the abdomen or, you know, close the fascia. They'll help inset the flap with suturing after the micro's done. So I would say fourth, fifth, and sixth year just depends. If you're rotating with the attendings that do the deeps, you're doing the micro and you're doing the dissections. And you did mention you kind of have like more of a mentorship, apprenticeship model. So can you like explain a little bit more about what that looks like? Sure. So I'm with Dr. Talana. He's one of our hand surgeons. So when he goes to clinic, I go to clinic. When he operates, I operate. Wherever he goes, I go, which is really nice because there's a lot of continuity of care in that. And you're getting to know your attendings. Go to lunch with them. They pay for your lunch. Some of them, not all. It's really nice. It's a, it's a very nice setup versus doing rotations where you're switching attendings all the time. And it really gets them a chance to get to know you as well. How long do you stick with him? Two months and then it repeats every year. So we have a total of six rotations, two months at a time. And you mentioned some of your research a little bit. So what is the research experience like, both in terms of expectations and then also like opportunities? So Dr. Herrera, he is our research guy. So he publishes a lot of papers. He gets a lot of grants. Every year, what's required is for you to have a major abstract or paper published. So every year. So that's at least six papers for each resident that comes in fellow three papers. And then the opportunity to do research on your own is pretty much there. Our schedule is not as hectic as some other programs. So we have a lot of time to do research. Do you have any kind of support available like for help with stats or putting together a grant or things like that? We do not have a specific research coordinator yet. We are trying to fund like a resident or student to be our research coordinator. Right now, we do have a statistician that helps us with some of our clinical research and grants we do but no one's specific to our division does that make sense so it's all through the department of surgery and how about once you're ready to present like at a conference so we do get reimbursement for travel and hotel stays i think it's up to 300 dollars a night and we get one week of admin time so you can go to up to two conferences a year as long as your abstract is accepted. And how about any uh, particularly awesome perks? So we get $100 a month for food. With plastic surgery, 
I'm not sure why ours is a little different, but we tend to get more than the general surgery residents because ours is based off of call. We take a lot of home call. So $100 a month or more for our food. We get a $500 book fund per year. The Department of General Surgery finances our loops. So you get your loops, your intern year. Labs. So we have a micro lab that we do every other Tuesday afternoon, a micro lab, which is a chicken lab that's funded by Integra. And then Stryker or some of the other companies will come once a year and fund an anatomy lab that we don't have to pay for. They just want us to try their products and it's great for them. It's great for us. We do have some of the reps come in and talk to us about how to use their products, which is really nice. We have a very good relationship with all of our reps, especially our implant reps. We get a lot of perks. I don't even think I'm naming all of them. <laughs> so for that micro lab, it's like every other week you have the opportunity to go practice micro? Yes. So two residents, an upper level and a junior, will go every other week. So you more on average maybe go something like once a month or so? Yeah, like once a month, once every like six weeks or so. And is that available for you to practice? Like, could you go there at other times if you just have a free afternoon? Yeah, it's designated just for us. So you can go whenever. We're about to publish a paper on our comfort under the microscope prior to the micro lab versus after. So that really helped a lot. Can you do like anastomoses on rats or anything like that? We probably could. We haven't delved into that yet. I know general surgery and vascular, they, they do their pig labs and rats and things like that, but you should probably look into that. And what area of plastic surgery would you say you have the strongest experience in upon graduation? I would say hand. We do a ton of hand and a ton of breast reconstruction, autologous and implant-based. So if you want to do those two things, definitely this is the right program for you. I'm not going into hand, but I know I've done a lot more complex hand cases than a hand fellow has. So yeah, hand and breast reconstruction. And how would you improve your program? I would definitely structure it so that we have a little bit more head and neck exposure. Our ENT program here is super strong. They do a lot of our head and neck recons, cleft lips, cleft palates. Luckily with the integrated program, we do rotate with them quite a bit. So our numbers are, are there, but I just wish there was more of continuity over the six year period. Now I'd love to hear about your leadership. So your program director and your chief. Sure. So Dr. Armstrong is our chair of the division of plastic surgery. He is hand trained. So he's one of our hand surgeons. And the cool thing about him is that he actually was just appointed as one of the directors on the board of our American Board of Plastic Surgery. He also is one of the proctors for the American Board of Plastic Surgery oral examination so we're very lucky to have him as our leadership. He was faculty at Ohio State and the University of Miami before coming here. And he actually started a microsurgery fellowship and hand surgery fellowship at University of Miami. So he's very well accomplished, very well known. If you want to do any fellowship, he's got the contacts. And then Dr. Tavana, he is our program director for the integrated program. 
He trained at in Tampa at USF and then did a orthopedic hand fellowship in Philadelphia. So he's also one of our hand surgeons. I would say he's probably the coolest human being that I know, <laughs> let alone the coolest program director. He is very open to listening to any changes, any issues, and he actually makes those changes for us if it's within the purview of our education. So yeah, that's our, our leadership. Do you have any specific examples of times when you or another resident brought up a concern or an issue and how they addressed it? Yes, actually. So I, being the first one, I had a rough road. <laughs> as far as rotations go, I did a lot more general surgery than some of my junior residents. And I remember my third year looking at the schedule and I said, why am I doing two months of GI lap doing gastric bypasses and those types of surgeries. And I said, Dr. Tawana, I don't think this is really beneficial to me. I, I can do one month, but two months, that's, I can't do that. So he actually got me an extra month of plastics. It was very simple. He talked to Dr. Streck, who's the general surgery program director. And I definitely appreciated that. I don't know how many, I love our general surgeons and obviously our weight loss patients come to us. But as far as my education goes, I definitely would have benefited from another month of plastic surgery. Are you pursuing a fellowship? And if so, like, how did the faculty support you in that? I'm not pursuing a fellowship. I'm applying for jobs currently. However, our chair and Tavana, really all of the attendings will vouch for you, write letters, call, email, whatever we need to do. You can take time for interviews and we don't have to use our vacation time to do that, which is really nice. I think they're very supportive of us in that regard. I think that shows something good about your program too, that you're ready to just come out and go straight into practice and don't feel like you need a fellowship to achieve your goals. Correct. If I was going to do clefts primarily in my practice, I would do a fellowship, but you know, because I'm interested in breast reconstruction and general aesthetics, I'm more than prepared, I think, to go out and practice and do that. And what kind of a role do residents have in department decision making, like picking new residents or hiring faculty, things like that? We actually have a lot of voice in that. So I've interviewed since I was a third year for our integrated program and the fellowship, actually. And then I think we try to get the applicants to at least interview with our fourth, fifth, and sixth years in the program, which is really nice. And then we all obviously meet and talk and we all attend the rank list meeting, which is very nice. We get a lot of decision-making in that regard. And how would you say your program promotes diversity and inclusion and or helps you develop into a culturally competent resident? I think with the leadership, it starts with the leadership. Dr. Armstrong, he's African-American, and his motto is you don't hire people based on what they look like or where they're from. You hire people who are competent and can bring different things to your program. And he's been successful in doing that in all of the places he's been faculty. If you look at our past residents and fellows, I mean, they're diverse and they've gone on to do great things. Dr. Tavana, same thing with him. He's 
pretty open-minded. Same thing. Pick people who are competent. Pick people who you'd get along with. And the diversity will come. And can you describe the relationships amongst the residents? Yeah. So I think we're a pretty close-knit group. So the fellows are more so married with kids and they don't really hang out as much versus us who are a little bit younger. We don't have kids and tend to be not married. So we kind of hang out sometimes, but I'm from Charleston. So I have my own set of friends and I go out actually quite a bit. (laughs) So socially, there's definitely a, a lot of opportunities to go to restaurants. Charleston's like a big foodie town beaches, boats, the whole nine. I know some of the other residents hang out a little bit more than I do with them just because I'm from here and I have friends, but it's a really nice relationship that we have with each other. And if there's any issues with like scheduling or anything, everyone's easy to talk to. Everyone's approachable. What are some qualities of a resident who would fit well in your program? I would say someone who's open-minded, someone who is very friendly, someone who's a little bit more laid back. I think our program is very laid back compared to some other programs. If you want to, you know, be super academic and go to Harvard for a fellowship, maybe this program may not be the place for you. But if you just want to be a great community surgeon or do aesthetics or do hand breast reconstruction, this is the place for you. So I would say someone who's laid back, someone who can take charge of their own education because we get a ton of autonomy, like rounds, the fellows and upper levels are rounding on the patients. Our attendings very rarely round and they trust us a lot. So someone who is very independent, I would say those are good qualities to have. And does your program have any experience with like IMGs or otherwise non-traditional residents? Yes. The fellowship does. Like I said, our program's new. We only have six residents so far, but we're definitely open to IMG residents and things like that. The fellowship has graduated, I think, someone from Puerto Rico and I think someone from Brazil, if I'm not mistaken. So, yes, we are open to that. Now to hear a little bit more about resident lifestyle. So do most own or rent in Charleston? I rent. Our fifth year rents. Our fourth year owns, she's married. Our third year owns, I would say half and half. So about 50-50. And for people who are unfamiliar with Charleston, like where do people live kind of in relation to the like main hospital campus? So most people live within 10 to 15 minutes. Charleston is on the peninsula. Downtown is a little bit expensive, which is where our hospital is. So Most people live in surrounding areas, James Island, West Ashley, Johns Island, those areas, which driving in, it literally takes 10, no more than 15 minutes. It's not a big, huge city with a lot of traffic at all. So getting to work is pretty easy. And, you know, you mentioned a couple residents are married and some of the independent ones have kids. I guess, how does the program support residents that either already have a family or are starting families? So actually, the fellow that's paired with me, Georgina Nichols, she was having a baby prior to starting her fellowship. And she started, I think, in August. So the program's pretty flexible with that. We've had several fellows have kids during residency, and 
I think you get four weeks off. I'm not sure I don't have kids, <laughs> but it's pretty flexible. Like I said, there's a ton of residents and fellows around to cover. It's not an issue whatsoever at all. I've never had any issues or had anyone complain about that. You mentioned a little bit about the food scene in Charleston, but what else do you like about living there? It's near a ton of beaches, Folly Beach, Sullivan's Island, Kiowa. We have a lot of boat rental places. You can go with some friends, rent a boat, sail around the, the harbor. There's a ton of outdoor activities here. It's historic, lots of art museums, which are pretty fun to visit. I would say the food and water scene are the biggest attractions to Charleston. There's also a College of Charleston, so some colleges around, as well as the grad school. There's uh, some other colleges around, like surrounding Charleston. So it's a pretty young town. So that's pretty much everything I wanted to cover today. Any final thoughts either about your program or in general the process of choosing a residency? Yeah, I mean, I love my program. I wouldn't train anywhere else. The people, I think, make the program. It's the best thing about the program. And if you come here, just have fun. Be prepared to learn a lot. Be prepared to operate a lot. And have fun. Any single best piece of advice for someone like doing an away rotation or coming to interview? I would say definitely try to show that you have some autonomy because as I said, our program, you have a lot of autonomy, even as like a third year in our program. We just like to see people that can make decisions on their own. You obviously ask, right? You're a student, but you know, just have a plan, show that you can be independent and your knowledge base doesn't have to be all that great, but at least you're trying and you're thinking critically. And how could interested applicants find out more about your program? So you can visit our website. You can just Google MUSC Plastic Surgery Integrated Program. They can also get in touch with me. My email is scott, S-C-O-T-T-K-B, B as in ball, at musc.edu. So just email me if you have any questions. I'll be happy to answer. And if I can't, I will pass it along to someone who can. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you very much for doing this. I wish I had this when I was going through. So uh, big thanks to you. Thank you for listening to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's drity.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.